Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 28. And um, we're going to revisit something that I'm not satisfied in my heart in our journey uh, here that we completely accomplished because I want people to continue to see from the scripture itself uh, what the Spirit of God has to say about this. Glory to God. And um, we've been talking about all that has taken place in our recent, well, within the last 12 months, particularly in the body of Christ in North America. Now, we did 90 days of prayer and uh, praying over into what we believed was the future and God's plan and God's will. And when you go back and look at it, you begin to, to see that we did really, I mean, prayed for at least an hour a day, 90 days straight live with other people praying with us all over. And yet, even though we were believing God for our nation, the Holy Spirit, say the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now I think this is really important because we need to recognize what the scripture says, even about praying concerning kings and all that are in authority or an election. A lot of people thought we were only praying about an election. And they certainly thought that we were trying to manipulate an election or turn out like we wanted. And that's because the body of Christ has gotten so anemic and carnally minded, they've confused democratic government with kingdom government. Okay, let me get over here and say that again. See, I had to keep butting up against this because I'm hammering a spirit that is just about taking over the church. I'll say it this way. Now, did I want and do I desire and do I still stand for and will I stand for and will we see a change? You bet. What's that? Laws that are in much more agreement with the scripture than what the lust of men and humanism and socialism and communism and all the stuff. Sure I do. Don't you? But when it comes right down to the bottom line, I've watched God change laws in my life so many times. I watched people stand against me. It didn't matter if it was bankers or lawyers or politicians And when it came up against the gospel, it fell every time. There is no authority, even a close second to the name of Jesus. I watched Mark 11, 23, 24 move an interstate. When the lawyers told me it couldn't possibly begin to happen. You can't, you know, that, that, and and I found out later that uh, I went to the Lord later after all that went. All all that happened twice in our life in ministry. Federal law has been changed because of this ministry. I don't have time to get in that today. I found God a hold property. The city wanted to buy it. Well, when that fell through, the county wanted to buy it. Well, when that fell through, the federal government had to have it. And and none of them could have it because it belonged to Jesus. And so when that law of eminent domain, um, which has real teeth, in fact, my lawyer's a Christian and uh, very close to me. We had some discussion about this. And he actually was educated at Georgetown and did big corporate law in Dallas and Washington, D.C. and all kind of things before he came home. And bottom line is, he said, I've never seen one of these cases won. 
and he's a Christian. But I said, I'll tell you what you do. You do what you're trained to do and you should leave the spiritual authority to me. I'll do what I do. You do what you do. I'll do what I do. And of course, I found out Mark 11, 23 and 24 will move an interstate. It will do it. Now, later on, I asked the Lord because really in the, in the throes of it, because my conscience was so violated, I even had to look at them as they had all the plans laid out. And I said, you know, every fiber of my being, every thread of my conscience would be violated to let you step one foot on God's property. And I was kind. I said, but you come in here telling me you're not going to work with me. There's no way out. I lost my warm and fuzzies. I'll walk in the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to throw you out of the office, but. Don't tell me there's no other way for this thing to happen. For the betterment of everybody. See, because they were driven by money. All their design money was used up. Hello. Well, when you're up against that mammon spirit, you've got to know he'll bow. Now, see, moving that interstate, money couldn't have bought that. So the covenant will bring a provision a supernatural manifestation of anything you need to get the kingdom of God done, the will of God done, whether the money can buy it or not. This is why I'm teaching you along these lines because I'm going to go down this track today a little bit. And, uh, and I'm sensing in my spirit I need to talk about the, the laws. You know, our next quarter of Bible school is going to be understanding spiritual laws. The reason is because there's three there's three levels of laws. There is natural law, like gravity. There's civil law that's man-made. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. And then there's spiritual law. And the highest laws of all three realms are spiritual law. Spiritual law will always overcome natural and civil law. So that's why you want to come up here as a believer and operate in your rights as a believer, in your covenant. And so there was civil law enacted. So this is what I want you to hear. The law of eminent domain is they weren't stealing the property from us. It dawned on me later. In fact, that's what the lawyer said. He said, best you can think about is maybe take them to court and get them to pay you more per acre. And then go buy a piece of property and maybe you'll come out to the good and, you know, and keep what you got left on the interchange. And that wasn't what the Lord's will was by far. In fact, we're going to talk about that today as the day goes on, but not, not in this session. But here's the thing is once that happened, I began to realize later after it was all said and done, I went to the Lord one day and I said, Lord, how? Okay. I see now that we're going to pay me for the property. They enacted a law. It wasn't illegal. They weren't stealing it. Yes, sir. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. How did, just how did we get that move? How did we do it? And he answered me that quick. He said, it's easy. He said, the righteousness of faith supersedes the righteousness of the law. In other words, I had more right to that property. You, this congregation, this ministry, had more right, to, Jesus had more right to that property than the federal government did. Now, you need to bring that on up in your walk with the enemy trying to take something from you. And I'm not talking about physical property now. I'm talking about your health. I'm talking about the dear, most precious things that money can't buy. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. Bring that on up and say, hey, the righteousness of faith. 
I give the devil no place. It's a shield, right, which quenches his every fiery dart. I have more right to be healed than Satan has in accusatory or even in the natural doctor's reports have a right to tell me I'm going to die from sickness. But no person will ever enact that or walk that out unless they get a revelation of it. They'll think it's normal. They'll come and go from church their whole life. And then when they get a certain age, they'll buy into the system. And they'll, they'll go on Medicare and quit using their faith because now I don't have to pay for the doctor. Excuse me, but the bottom line of most of that is money motivated. Fear and money. Because you won't go to the doctor because you're afraid of what he's going to tell you. And then you don't want to have an operation because of what it costs you. So you believe in God for your healing. That's the wrong motive. You shouldn't believe God for your healing because it's going to cost you money. Or because you have a fear of failure or any of that. You should believe God for your healing because Jesus took stripes on his back and went to hell to purchase your healing. Which means it's so very important to him. He shed blood and went to hell. Which means sickness and disease against us trying to kill us is the work of the devil. That's why you believe against it. Because you're not resisting for you to be more comfortable. You're resisting the devil who's trying to stop you. To keep you from being able to do what you're called to do. And you get pure in your motive, your faith will work. But when you're just using your faith all the time because it's all about you and how it makes you feel and all of that, then there's a hypocrisy in there. We need to be honest with that. You got to get the mixture removed to get fully persuaded to really get the results of the covenant. Amen? Because the holy God on the other end of that covenant that made it with us. And he'll keep his end every time. So the issue is not getting the covenant established on his end. The issue is getting it established in our heart. Amen. And so when we're not living right and we know we're not living right, then our conscience gets violated and we wonder why it doesn't work. Hello. Well, it's not God's fault. Quit giving, you know, quit giving the devil credit. He doesn't have the power to stop it. Glory be to God. And so the righteousness of faith supersedes the righteousness of the law. So in other words, when we operate on a higher level with a higher authority, then it's going to supernaturally subdue. So there's a lot of people running around screaming at the devil, but they have no authority over him. Oh, but I thought every believer had authority. Oh, you do legally have authority over him. But what activates that authority is faith. And running around screaming at the devil doesn't make you have authority. Because your words have to be filled with faith. You and I can stand side by side and say the same words. And if I believe them and you're just hoping they'll come to pass... Number one, we're not in agreement. And number two, it's just not going to work. It doesn't work with hope. It doesn't work with trying. So we've got to move out of the place where there's mixture. Why? Because mixture is like a little leaven that leavens the whole lump. It doesn't allow your faith to get to the place where it's fully persuaded and effective. Amen? 
And we're, we're struggling because most of us, unfortunately, oppose our own self. Now, we'll read those verses, but let's, uh, let's read this first. Um, Ezekiel chapter 28, and uh, notice what it says here. Speaking of Lucifer, it says, verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub. So we see a cherub is an angel. Amen. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. You were upon the holy mountain of God and you walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Now here's the key phrase I want you to see. You were perfect. You were perfect in all your ways. How many? In your ways from the day that you were created. So this is a created being. Well, who created him? So it's clear from this, this verse, God did not create the devil. It's clear from this verse that he was perfect in the day he was created. So whatever he became wasn't God's doing. And that's the reason there's no redemption for the devil. It came from within him. He created iniquity. He led the first rebellion. And there'll be, there's no hope. He left, Scripture says in the book of Jude, he left his first estate. And now he's chained in darkness. Forever. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Look at what it says. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. There came a day when God called for an audit. Amen. And when he audited the way Lucifer handled all the economy of the economy of heaven, he found he was skimming the till. In other words, spending, spending God's kingdom assets. For his own unrighteous pleasures. And it's because he got so full of himself. He was full of pride. Now here's the thing that's so amazing about it is. Um, what did Lucifer have. That he did. Was his beauty did he do his did he create his own beauty. Did he create the tablets inside himself? Did he give himself that breastplate and all the precious stones? Did he give him the assignment, the position over other created beings? Did he? So there, there wasn't one thing he had that he did. So how's he proud? Now that's what I want to ask you. Person that struggles with tithing. What are you giving back to God that you weren't given first? What are you giving to God that you did? Nothing. 
Oh, well, but I work hard. Oh, yeah. And who gave you the eyes to see and the mind to remember and the ability to perform the task and the oxygen to breathe? And who created the water you drink every day? And who gave you the favor to get the job? And what makes you any better? Why don't they give that job to somebody else better than you? Who gave you yourself your talents and your abilities? So come on now, let's, let's just get real about this. What do any of us have? We're a big fat zero without Jesus. And the audacity of humans to believe like the devil and get proud about what they have, what they have. What they can do. That's why you don't take a young preacher and put him in a big position of authority in the church. Because the scripture says, once they get in a position of authority, Satan starts working. Because that's what he wants. He wants that seat. He always did. That's why he said, I will ascend above the clouds. I will ascend above the stars. I will be like the most high God. I will set my throne up there. See, that's what, and what you don't understand is in ministry, That great desire to be something great sounds noble. Sounds like you're believing God for big things. What you're really doing is the same thing they do in Vegas, just with Christianese put to it. You want your name in lights. Okay, thank you very much. And I'm telling you, we're not useful to God until he destroys that in us. Because I'm a servant. He that is greatest in the kingdom is a servant. Glory be to God. And I'm not even your servant. You're not my servant. I'm his servant. And I serve. So therefore, I serve him so that I can serve you. Amen. It's the path to greatness in the kingdom, servanthood. The way up in the kingdom is down. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Now Satan clearly was lifted up in pride and the scripture talks about this in Proverbs 13, I think it's verse 10, where it says only by pride comes contention. So if you see strife anywhere in your life, pride caused it. So you can see pride is the root of the spirit of division. Somebody wants their way. They have to have the last say. They can't submit because all contention comes by pride. And then, of course, pride goes before a fall. And Lucifer had one glorious fall. Lightning. I mean, that quick. He went from the palace to the pit. Pop. And I'm going to tell you, anybody that's ever followed him did exactly the same thing. Had someone the other day, I won't tell you who it is, it doesn't matter. God's in a redeeming, restoring business. So there's no need for me to tell you about all that. But they made it public. They said it publicly so I can say it publicly. They, because they literally, 
literally. I mean, this wasn't figurative speech. This was an individual, and that's all I'm going to say about it. They literally were in Madison Square Garden and literally lost everything. And now they're involved in restoration and rehab and helping people. And they said, I can tell you from personal experience, from Madison Square Garden to the pit is a short trip. That's what's amazing about Satan is he just makes you feel like as long as things are happening, I must be doing something right. And the biggest thing about the kingdom is God doesn't judge by your actions. Your actions are reflective. Your actions are the mirror. They're not the engine. The engine's the motive. God's got to get to the human heart. That's where all judgment comes from. Glory be to God. Now I want to show you something about Lucifer because if we're going to remove the mixture, we need to talk about this because he was, the reason God hates mixture is Lucifer was the one involved in it in the beginning. He created it. He was doing all the activities that God created him to do with all of God's resources his own way. He's the first one that mixed it up. That's why the scripture says in the book of Proverbs that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, no human, after 6,000 years of human history, is smart enough to cause the Bible to not turn out the way it says it's going to. You need to know, you need to know, you're not that person that can mock God and sow one thing and reap another. Because as long as the earth remains, there's winter and summer, cold and heat, daylight and dark, right? As long as the earth remains and seed time and harvest, and the scripture says God is not mocked whatsoever. Any man ever sows, that and that only is what they'll reap. So it is impossible to live life sowing one thing. Huh? You, can't, you cannot sow deception. I'll go half-hearted. I'll get one foot in, one foot out. I'll live my own way. I'll do marriage my own way. I'll do healing my own way. I'll do money my own way. I'll do business my own way. But bless me, oh God, bless me. I punched my ticket. I walked the aisle once and got dunked in water. I'm telling you, it won't work. I mean... It is my responsibility to stand before God and to tell you, you can't disobey the Bible and stay blessed. Amen. Amen. It won't happen. So don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a person sows, that's what they're going to reap. That's why God doesn't want us. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. We'll come back to Ezekiel 28. Let's look at this scripture. Deuteronomy. No, no, let's go, first go to Leviticus. Let's go to Leviticus 19, 19. I think we might as well just move forward with it. But look what it says. King James is clear enough. I may, uh, I may go to the Amplified in the next one, Deuteronomy. Notice what it says. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle gender with a diverse kind. 
Maybe we need to go to the Amplified Classic. It'll help you a little bit. This is a little King Jamesy. <laughs> you shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your domestic animals breed with a different kind of animal. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed. Now, it's just as simple as, now, we're going to stay in this verse. We're not going to change from it, but it's just as simple as Galatians 5. Where Galatians 5 talks about, or actually, well, the verse we were in, let's just cut to the chase. Galatians 6 will do it. We just said it, right? God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows. Now, here he said, don't sow your field with what? Mixed seed. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And then he talks about two kinds of sowing. If you sow to the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll of the spirit reap life everlasting. So right there, the Bible defines, you can't mix the flesh and the spirit and get the spirit to work. It's impossible to believe God, which is divinely a supernatural heavenly substance. And get results from your faith, stubbornly demanding your own opinion with a carnal mind. <laughs> to get transformed, we've got to get our mind renewed. Did you hear what I said? Yes. To get transformed, we have to get our mind renewed. So we cannot be divided within ourselves. Well, clearly, we can't be sowing mixed seed and get the outcome we want. We can't live in the flesh part of the time and live in the spirit part of the time and walk by faith part of the time and then make our own decisions the rest of the time and then, That's right. huh? That's right. Amen. Go Saturday night to the club and then come Sunday morning praying for a crop failure, hoping God will bless us because at least I went to church. That's right. Amen. Well, I'm glad at least you went to church. You know what you just did? That person that was in the club with you that saw you drinking and then you told them, tried to witness to them and told them you were coming to church. Now they think that this church believes in what you just did. I don't believe in that mixture. So you're a poor representation of who I am. And, kill, and it destroys all your witness. Can't do that. Huh? Amen? It's not Saturday night, shake, 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 shake your booty. And then Sunday morning. Oh, yeah, y'all laughing, but I found it out. I found out when our kids got married. Oh, it's getting personal now. I found out when our kids got married and we rejoiced and celebrated and we got out there. We danced. I don't, I'm not against dancing. I just want to dance with the right partner. David danced with all his might. He was just dancing with the right partner. Isn't that right? I'm not against any of that. But you find out what folks are listening to. Because you look at them and they'll sit in church and go, they don't even have a clue to the words to the songs you're singing. But you get out there and have about two hours of secular music and they know every song and every move. I mean, they could line dance and do the Macarena. And, the, and then you're wondering... Why can't I get them to, why are they the frozen chosen? Why can you not talk about something exciting? You can't even blow them out of the chair on Sunday morning. But Saturday night at the wedding reception there. 
doing all the hokey pokey, but you can't poke them in church and get them to budge. It's the mixture, I tell you. I said, it's the mixture, I tell you. Glory be to God. Flooding your spirit with all that stuff. And, and here's what you don't understand. To believe God in a time of crisis, you've got to overcome all that. You built your own wall. You're frustrated there's a wall in front of you and you're the one built it. Brick mortar and all. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's talk about this. Keep on talking now. Let's talk about building our own wall for a second. Huh? You know, the scripture does talk about that. Let's look at it. Uh, let's go to the book of Proverbs. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> I can almost see straight. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> oh, glory to God. Let me get over here and find it. <clears throat> oh, glory to God. <laughs> I know where I'm going, I promise. I know it. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Here it is. Now, the scripture says, I want to look at verse 20 and 21 of Proverbs 18. And uh, I want to go there first because you don't quite know where I'm going with this, but you'll see. It says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. I read that one day. Oh, I don't know. A year or two ago, I was going through it. I mean, I had read it many, many times and preached out of it over the years. But I'm talking about, you know, when the Holy Spirit just sits on something. And I'm reading it and I heard the Lord say, A man's lips, and with the increase of his lips he shall be filled. And I heard the Spirit of God say, So, fill your lips with increase. Yes. Amen. If you're going to be filled with the increase of your lips, then fill your lips with increase. Because whatever you're saying, you're going to be filled with. Amen. How come? <clears throat> because death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. Now look at what it says in verse 20. See, we're, we're wonderful at taking a scripture for the little veneer layer that it has. Instead of putting it in context. So let's talk about verse 22. What in the world? What in the world does verse 22 have to do with verse 21? Well, they go together. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. He just right there said, you can kill your marriage with your mouth. What you're saying about your wife can cause you trouble. Well, vice versa is true. You get all son, he don't ever do anything. All he does is come in, put his muddy boots on the floor. I mean, he don't ever, yeah, but you're not even working. No, no, listen to me. 
Now today it's a two, but I'm, I'm talking about it can go both ways. Men and women were created differently. Aggravated that he won't help at all, but don't mind spending the paycheck when he comes home. And then start pulling on him as the source. That doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work when you say those things about her either, sir. Why, why didn't you get this done? I mean, you're at home all day or whatever, and, and probably not at home all day, but it's, if you get a two-income uh, family, it's even more difficult because they are out there. And, and to do everything that's required to be a mom and a, and a wife and a cleaning the house, and I get it. But the point is, you're never going to do everything right. There's not enough of you to go around Adam's sin saw to that. We're already under a curse. Why would we keep reinforcing it with our tongue? If we want days of heaven on earth, we're going to have to turn the ship around. Amen? Now, let me show you, <clears throat> let me show you this. It says in Proverbs chapter 18 here, we've read about our tongue well, verse 22 talks about it could affect our marriage. Do you see that? Well, let's back up to verse, uh, verse 19. A brother offended. But you just don't know what they did to me. That's right. You feel like I did if, you, if they hurt you as bad as they hurt me. Scripture says a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. Why? Because their contentions are like the bars of a strong castle. Let it go. Get over it. Stop building your own maximum security prison. Get over it. And you do this with your tongue. All spiritual law is actually voice activated. Amen? And what we really need to do is line up what we say with what we want to see. You remember the old see and says? I mean, I know everybody has phones now. I get it. But, you know, I'm from the 1800s, I guess, or something. Because our, I remember when the little kids had a see and say. And in case you don't know what a see and say is, it's this round toy that you actually went to the store and bought. You didn't order it from Amazon. <laughs> and it had a little arrow, a big plastic arrow, and it'd spin like this, and it had a voice, it was, and it had, and it'd tell you, and so you'd point to the turkey, you know, and you'd pull the cord, zzz, right? And let it go, no batteries, glory to God. <laughs> and you let the cord, and, and it'd zzz, but you'd point it to the turkey, and it would say, this is a turkey. All right. And you point to the cow. It's a cow. This is a pig. Whatever it was, you know. Well, that's what you need to do. What you want to see. See, can you imagine how confused a child would be if you pointed at a cow, pulled it, and it said, this is a chicken. And then they're going to a farmyard, huh? And the cow walks up and goes, 
They're like, that's not what my seeing say said. That's what they're getting in church. We need to line up with what we want to see, what's accurate, what's the truth. We need to say it. It's voice activated. Glory to God. <laughs> Go with me to the book of James and you'll see what I'm talking about here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Isn't God good? He is so good. We want to get the mixture out of our lives. Well, one of the number one ways you do that is to get it out of your tongue. Now, notice what he said. Their offenses are like the bars of a strong castle, right? And so here in James 3, he says, My brethren, uh, be not many masters. Oh, my goodness. Glory to God. It is a good day. Preach my time away. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Tell you what, I'll just have to get in that later. I promised myself I'm going to stay on time. Go back with me to the Ezekiel. I'm going to show you something and we'll be done for this morning. Go to Ezekiel 28. Now my point is, it's impossible to violate the word which says you're going to have what you say and then say what you're having and be frustrated that you're staying in the mess because it's working for you. So that never worked for me. It's working for you. I mean, it's working better for you than it is for me. Because I'm, I'm saying what I want to say and it takes me a while. You're saying what you have and you got it right now. See, if you have what you say and you're saying what you have and you keep on having the same thing, it's working, I mean, 100%. Amen? You see, you see it's... How people separate faith from spoken words, I don't know, but Satan's been a master at it. Making it religiously mysterious so that you never know what God's going to do. And it's all on God's end, so he makes us come sit down in church. Now, we'll do the Macarena on Saturday, but we'll come to church, huh, and sit and wait on God to do everything. And we've been taught by demons. we got to move toward God. I said we have to move toward God. And the way we do that is start moving our tongue first. Glory be to God. All right, Ezekiel 28. Let's just go back there. There it is. In the stones of fire, and look at verse 15. It says, you were perfect in the way, ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found within you. Next verse. By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. Now, look, that's a colon. Now, what I want you to see is the next verse. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, in verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Now, here's the key phrase right here. You corrupted. What does it say now? Come on. Wisdom. Oh, by what? By reason. Satan was the creator of the mixture. He got reason inside of wisdom and it messed the whole system up. This is a, this is a supernatural, spirit-born, eternal, everlasting covenant 
that works by faith and love. Now, when you hear God tell you to do something and the first thing you do is put your mind on it, it'll kill everything about the supernatural quality of it. Because now you've got to get back over here and do it in your own strength and figure it out in your own wisdom and it's not in your file drawer. You weren't taught in the third grade or the sixth grade or the twelfth grade how to work miracles. You taught reading, writing, and arithmetic. And it made your head so fat that you think God's got to get through your head. No, he's trying to get to your spirit to teach your head how to really live. Amen. So we must get our mind renewed. So let's no longer corrupt wisdom with our own human reason. We want to get the mixture out of the equation so God can do everything that he promised he would do.